Chapter Thirty Four of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. No Quarter by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Thirty Four guardian angels the swift roan cleaves his way between heights which appear as lovers who have parted in hate whose mining depths so intervene that they can meet no more though broken-hearted though in their souls which thus each other thwarted love was the very root of the fond rage which lighted their life's bloom and then departed itself expired leaving them an age of years all winters war within themselves to wage was it to be thus with eustace trevor and vega paul verily it seemed so on that night and never more than at that moment when he with her cousin indian queen in counterfeit strolled off arm in arm along the lamp-lit walks a sight to tear her heart and it tore it might have altogether rent and ruined it had the mutual misunderstanding continued i blighted the life's bloom of both leaving them an age of years all winters but kind fate decreed it otherwise before another night shadowed avon's banks whatever of confidence had hitherto been between them was re-established and true love triumphed over jealousy partly by accident was the happy result brought about though it might have come without that for on the side of each was a watchful monitor who understood the situation better than either of themselves the guardian angels were sir richard walden and sabrina powell his friendship and her sisterly solicitude standing the young lovers in stead why has your sister not danced with captain trevor i mean my captain trevor queried the soldier knight of his betrothed i haven't seen him near her all the night has there become a coolness between them think you something of the sort i fear but from what cause have you any idea oh the cause is clear enough though she hasn't made me her confidant the creole cousin just so but vaga has nothing to fear from her nor need being jealous in the least why do you say so richard because trevor don't care a straw for mademoiselle lalande then what means the way he's been carrying on with her rather say the way she's carrying on with him it don't signify however 
let her practice all her arts she'll have her pains for nothing i know he's madly in love with your sister has been ever since first setting eyes upon her at solimede that much he has confided to me he may have changed clarice is very beautiful very attractive true she is but not the style to attract him nor is he of the fickle sort at whitehall he bore the reputation of having a heart of adamant with no end of sighing damsels doing their endeavour to soften it indeed scandal spoke of its very obduracy being the cause of his dismissal from court a certain royal lady having assailed it unsuccessfully and for that reason turned against him such a man once in love as i know he is with your sister is not likely to veer about so suddenly but you remember with what suddenness he changed sides politically ah that's different and to his credit it was not of his own choosing that he was on the wrong one and soon as finding it so he espoused the right one all the more likely his standing firm and proving true in an affair of the heart but are you sure the fault is not on vega's side i've observed her a good deal in the company of the other trevor and several times dancing with him what does that mean i cannot tell he may be forcing his company upon her and she offended at Eusus' behavior accepts it likely then they are playing at spite that is my captain and your sister it's a dangerous game and we must do something to stop it they thus exchanging confidences were engaged lovers of long standing who but for the war coming on would now have been man and wife hence their interest in the two who were in danger of going astray was of a protecting character sabrina especially anxious about the upshot on the score of her sister's happiness rejoined with alacrity we must are you sure eustace loves baga sure as that i loved you dearest i had evidence of it not many hours ago and from his own lips on the way hither we came together you may know he spoke of a heaviness at his heart and that he had never started to go to a ball with less anticipation of pleasure on my asking for explanation he said it was on account of your sister it was weeks since he had seen her and something seemed to whisper she would not be the same to him as she had been trying to laugh away his fancies and pressing him for a more tangible reason he merely added reginald i know he has always had a suspicion if not jealousy 
about his cousin's relations with Vaga, before he himself came to know her. When he returned the other day, and he learnt that Reginald was in Bristol, had been for some time, he took it for granted he would also be often here in this house, that, of course, considering the cavalier inclinings of your aunt and cousin, no doubt the thought or fancy of Master Reg being restored to Vaga's favor is what affects him now. But it's a fancy, then. Master Reg couldn't be restored to favor he never had. As for what... She broke off abruptly at the sound of voices and footsteps. Two persons in conversation were coming along the graveled walk. The place was a pavilion, trellised all round, the trellis supporting a thick growth of climbers that formed a curtain to it. There was a lamp suspended inside, but its light had gone out, either through neglect or because the day would soon be dawning. The dialogue given above took place within the pavilion, that to follow occurring just outside the entrance. It was between two of the four, about whom they inside had been conversing, Clarice and Eustace. She was still upon his arm as he had conducted her off the dancing ground, she now rather conducting him toward that quiet spot whither she had no idea of anyone having preceded them. It seems so strange, Captain Trevor, you fighting for the Parliament. Why strange, mademoiselle? Because of your father and all your family being on the king's side, your brave cousin, too. Besides, you're so different from these plebeian Puritans and roundheads unlike them in every way not every way i hope and would be sorry to think i was rather would i resemble them in their ways of truth and right their aspirations for liberty and the self-sacrificing courage they have shown to achieve it but the cavaliers show courage too as much and more than they neither more nor as much pardon me mademoiselle for contradicting you hitherto they've been better horsed by robbing the poor farmers emptying every stable they came across that's given them the advantage of us but there'll be a turn to it soon and we shall pay the score back to rupert and his plunderers oh captain trevor to speak so of the gallant prince calling him a plunderer for shame he's all that and more a ruthless murderer nor is the king himself much less after his doings of the other day with the wretched captives of Sirenchester. you naughty naughty rebel she rejoined with a laugh telling how little the misfortunes of the Cirencestians affected her, adding, and I feel inclined to call you 
renegade as well. Call me that and welcome. Tis no disgrace for a man to turn coat when he discovers he has been wearing it wrong side out. Not put on so by himself, but by others. For what I've done, Madame Lalande, I feel neither shame nor repentance. Instead, glory in it. What a grand noble fellow, thought Sir Richard, as also the other listener inside the pavilion. The latter, with added reflection, how worthy he was to mate with her sister. It was less his reasoning than the defiance flung to her in tone so independent that caused the Creole to shrink back from what she had said. Fearing it might have given offence, she hastened to heal the wound by the salve of self-humiliation. Oh, sir, I but spoke jestingly, and please don't think I meant reproaching you. As you know, we women have but little understanding of things political, of English politics. I, less than any, from being a stranger to the country, almost a foreigner, in truth, I know not clearly which party may be in the right, nor do I care either. That is enough to quarrel with my friends, and certainly not with yourself, Captain Trevor. So please pardon what I've said. Forget it. You will, won't you? Her naive admission and submission inclined him to a better opinion of her than he had hitherto entertained. After all, thought he, she has a woman's heart true, but led astray by sinister surroundings. So reflecting, he returned kindly. There's nothing either to be pardoned or forgotten, Chere Mademoiselle, and if there was, how could I refuse a request made, as you made it? He spoke more warmly than had been his wont with her, addressing her as Chere Mademoiselle. That also unusual. It was all on the spur of the moment, and without thought of it being taken, in the way of endearment, but it was so taken, and had the effect of misleading her. I'm so glad we're to continue friends, she exclaimed impressively, then in changing tone, adding, about my glove, is it to be returned, or do you wish to keep it? Questions that took him by surprise, at the same time perplexing for though offering a choice of ways, it was a delicate matter which should be taken. The glove was still in his hand, as he had picked it up. To retain it would imply something more than he was in the mind for, while returning it applied something else equally against his inclinations. It might give offence, be even regarded as a rudeness. A happy thought struck him, a compromise which promised to release him from his dilemma. The glove was a costly thing, 
embroidered with thread of gold and beset with jewels it is too valuable he said i could not think of keeping it oh no and he held it out towards her but she refused to take it saying with a laugh very considerate of you sir and thanks but i'm not so poor that it will be impossible for me to replace it by one of like value foiled he drew back his hand now with no alternative but to keep the token he cared not for since you are so generous mademoiselle i accept your gift with gratitude even the cold formality of his speech failed to dispel the illusion she had been all the night laboring under unused to discomfiture of any kind she thought not of defeat in the game of passion she was playing oh it's nothing to be grateful for she lightly rejoined only your due for rescuing me from the pursuing enemy <laughs> He was about to stow the favor under the breast of his doublet when he saw her glance go up to the crown of his hat over which still waved the feathers of the egret plucked by the base of Gordian hill perhaps you wouldn't care to carry it there she said half jestingly it might spoil the look of that pretty plume he was doubly perplexed now to place the glove in his hat meant letting it remain there meant more a symbol to show that the giver of it was esteemed beyond all others and that in her case would not be true besides what would she say what think whose favor not proffered but asked for was already there despite all the contrarieties of the night eustace trevor was not prepared to break with vega powell by offering her such a slight and insult with much to make him sad and angry he was neither sad nor angry enough for retaliation as that sure moreover to recoil upon himself a reflection which needed no other to determine him but the challenge had been thrown out and called for instant response a yes or a no subterfuge was no longer possible even had it been of his nature and he resolved upon making a clean breast of it mademoiselle Lalande, however proud of the trophy you've been good enough to bestow on me there's a reason why i cannot wear it as you suggest a reason indeed the voice in a tone half vexed half surprised may i know it then as if repenting the question she quickly added oh never mind give me back my glove sir Good night. They, listening inside the pavilion, heard no more words, 
only the sound of footsteps passing away first light ones in rapid repetition then others heavier and slower after which silence profound end of chapter thirty four